we go. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Women's Fittest. I'm so excited to have Autumn Cleveland. Cleveland. Oh, my gosh. Cleveland. Cleveland. <laughs> I hear it, it already is beginning. I have been stumbling. I don't know. I've been stumbling over my words so bad lately. But um, those days, I, too. Oh, my gosh. Hi. <laughs> Hi. How are you? Good. It's a Monday. We can tell. Oh, right. Um. We are going to be talking about coaching and Autumn has written three blog articles that I'm going to be pulling up and we're going to be talking about the different elements of coaching, um, three specific categories. And then also mm -hmm. we are going to talk about, congratulations, by the way, on your Olympia qualification. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> still, still sinking in. <laughs> this one went a little bit smoother than your last yeah, <laughs> I think that's why I'm having trouble with it. I'm like, wait, I hadn't even fought yet. <laughs> how many how many shows did you do? Was it last year that you had to qualify or the year before? Last year I did six shows, six shows in 2022. And I think seven shows in 2021, 21, 2021. I did not qualify. Yeah, but I think I hit seven shows. And then last year, when they had the point system, it was those six in a row to try to get enough points. But the last one at the end is what got the the win breakthrough. <laughs> so for this to happen in two shows, I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> You're like, I was planning so many more shows. I had so many more makeup. Uh, Literally, <laughs> the next morning I woke up and I was like, the relief that I felt to be able to, I had eight shows booked for hotels and flights because I was like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. So the next day after Chicago, I was just like, so relieved to be able to delete and cancel all of those <laughs> that's the best feeling <laughs> is that possible like you just you get all your money back and everything or do you have to well I I stopped up on points this year uh because they were doing a sale so I was like I'm just gonna buy enough points to get me through okay all of potential travel for 2023 including like going to my clients shows and stuff so I already had that flexibility but then the hotels as long as you Derek's going to laugh at me when I say this on this podcast. I use I use Trello, which if you don't know what that is, it is the greatest organizational tool for a visual of your to-do list. And so I organize all of my, my competition stuff with Trello, including my hotel reservations. So I make, I make a ton of reservations, but then I know exactly which ones to cancel. So as long as I don't forget to cancel a reservation, there's no penalty. That's <laughs> so awesome. I book everything like six months out. That's awesome. I think organization is so important for you being a client uh, to your coach. So you being a competitor and then also being a coach, like it's two separate worlds that you're meshing together. Yeah. And actually with Trello, I have a whole separate board for just my clients shows. So if they're like, oh, I want to compete on this date, I create a list and then I can put their name on that list so I can visually see who or if a show plan shifts. I can, I can just move the card to the next, you'll have to check it out. So you know what I'm talking about, but yeah, I use it for me and for my class and for work. It's really awesome. It's really awesome. So yeah, two, took you two shows. You looked amazing. I, I, I just was stunned when I saw the pictures, it was like a whole, not that you, I mean, you always look amazing. Right. But it just was like, you just look and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is such a winner. Like, this is the winner. You didn't even have to see everybody else. You just nailed everything, which 
I think has to be a little bit like, um, you know, like the, I mean, the Olympia was trash for you because you were sick. <laughs> it was garbage. So... <laughs> that, that actually feels really good for you to say that. Cause that's really the only way that I can go into a show. If I start looking at other people, whether it feels positive or negative, it, that does not serve me. But if I can, like you said, like that, that was the whole thing. Like from, I'd say three days out from Chicago, I was just like, what details do I need to nail down to send an undeniably un unquestionable message that I am figure, I am an Olympian. And so I that checked all, all those boxes of the, the little details to make sure that I said what, or I, that I could bring what you just said, which was to be the winner by first appearance. Yeah. And that, that felt extra good to me. Cause it's, like I said, it's still new and it's rare in my experience that I'm like still trying to get used to it. <laughs> it had to be like redemption because like you said, you stepped on the Olympia stage and it was just like, this is not who, this is not what I bring to the stage. <laughs> there was the point where I was just like, screw it. As long as I make it there, it's fine. But yeah, like probably the night before I, I checked out when it came to like how I looked. And so like that, that's all this really was for me because I didn't know if I was going to be good enough, especially this early. I didn't, I didn't really plan to shoot this early in January. I had no idea. And so like right around March or April, I was like, I'd better just start acting like I might do it just in case. But I was like, I need to see what I can accomplish and what I can make possible and get that personal redemption, which is the only reason I even made an attempt in the first place, because I could have just sat this year out and like taken an all really long improvement season. But I was just like, yeah, I don't know if I can dwell with this feeling for a year and a half or whatever. So I was like, I better just aim for it for me. And if I suck, I suck. And that's why Vancouver really messed with my head because I was like, how am I better than I was at the Olympia? And and it wasn't for, for me to look at that and say, what am I missing? I was having a really hard time with that because I was like, I'm delusional. I should just, I should just stop right now and save all my time and money, and my energy and my health and my, you know, capacity. And so that night I was just like, I'm not doing any more shows for 2023 I'm just gonna go home where I belong <laughs> and then I just had I got um no sleep and then the next morning I was just on the stair mill and I was like I need to talk to people who can set my head right mm -hmm. and so I did I, I talked to three people that I trust and I was just like they were they were all like it's worth trying again that's the only reason I stayed in Chicago to do that because I was already so defeated so after that I was like okay, we'll give it a shot. And I'm really glad, I'm glad that I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause it was a, a whole bunch of circumstances that came together that created, you know, you being sick for the Olympia and everything else. So I, and I totally get that to just hang in that feeling for a year and a half would have, I think really messed with your head. Absolutely. And I, I know me, it's like, if I, even after Vancouver, I could have at least looked at my body, the parts that I could control and say, that was enough for me. I was super happy with my look for Vancouver. And really, that wasn't that much different than what I brought in Chicago, which was the what which was the hard part. So was like when I looked at my pictures from Vancouver, I was like, I'm really proud of that. And I'm very satisfied with it. Um, and if I had called it a year on that note, that still would have served me better to take an entire year off after Vancouver 
but there's no way that I could have kept my head in a good place. Yeah. The, the whole duration, if I was still questioning my Olympia package from six months ago. So it's just, I, I made a post today kind of laughing at that because I, I said it, I said, I was like, maybe I should just not try this year and, and step back. <laughs> you know? And then, and then this happened. So that's why I made that post. Cause I was like, shut up autumn. Like <laughs> whatever doubts you are, have just shut them up. Well, and this is why it's really important to, and this will kind of lead us into our coaching, but it is really important to have other eyes because you know, there, there's other circumstances as well. When you are like, let's say you are getting towards the end of your career. You also would not want to end on a low note, right? You have to have somebody who like, you want to go out doing something great, especially if you know, like, okay, I'm not going to be able to repeat this. And I think that's a mistake. A lot of people make too, when they just slowly drop worse and worse. And it's like, Mm -hmm. this is not a way to end your career. So surrounding yourself with people who are going to be honest with your potential about your potential and what you're capable of, and just making sure that this season of competing is a very positive and healthy one, I think is really, really important. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be, yeah, it'll be awesome to see you up on the stage. (laughs) And thank you. (laughs) I'm excited. Do you think that you, how many different suits do you have? Um, right now, hmm. right now I have five and I'm about to, I'm actually working on number six. Okay. <laughs> so I still, I still in my own suits. My designer sews them, but part of my, since I have to put my art business on hold while I'm competing, that's my creative expression. And so I've got the next one lined up, uh, for the Olympia. <laughs> so that'll be. I named them all, but I haven't gotten a name for this one yet. (laughs) (laughs) They all have different attitudes. So they all have different personas and names. It's like, if you watch Shit's Creek, it's like Moira with her wigs. Those are my suits. (laughs) What, what was the red one named this last one? Uh, That's, that's Poisonberry. Poisonberry. Okay. Poisonberry. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I usually name them after foods or, or colors. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, that was definitely, it was definitely a win. So (laughs) yeah, I loved it. All right. Well, here we go with our, (laughs) so Autumn wrote these articles. Let me find here. Okay. How to choose your competition prep coach. So obviously this is the beginning. And um, for a lot of people, they're trying to find somebody that they can work with and you know, I don't know if you, I'm trying to think if you covered this in here, how do you even know it's time for you to pick a coach or to work with a coach? What do you think has to happen before somebody is ready to work with a coach? It's actually a great question. Cause I've been on, I've been on all sides of this personally. And I, I do consult with people who are self-coaching and what I leave them with, like if someone does a consultation with me and they don't have a prep coach, but they still, they're just you know, stuck a little bit, I'll kind of present some questions and some information for them. But I always leave it at if you get stuck, and you don't know what to do, that might be time to bring someone else into the picture. And that's almost me just kind of repeating information, because uh, there were the only before I got with Shane, my coach now. um, Before that, I had prepped myself two times. And those were the only two times I ever won as an amateur. And so I, I knew I knew something, 
But what changed that I had just won a show. I just won my class and I stepped off stage and the head judge, who's a mentor of mine, came backstage. And he said, we need to talk. This is right before the overall. And I was like, oh, what? Like, am I like the principal's office? I was like, maybe we need to talk. I'm about to go compete right now. So he went back to his seat and I was like, okay. And so after the show, I went over to him. I said, what did you want to talk to me about? Because I think it's time to bring in another set of eyes. Yeah. And I, I was like, why? Like in my head, I was like, I just won. So why? And then he was like, you're, you're going to start to not see things accurately. It was like, you could be a lot further in your career. Yeah. If you had someone else at your side. Yeah. And all that, that was basically me saying like, okay, I'm doing okay, but I could be better faster with someone else. Yeah. And when he I- said that to me, it kind of resonated. Cause I was like, I still hadn't gotten my pro card. This was a year before I got my pro card and I had been competing from 2004 until 2017 when this conversation happened. And I was like, okay, I've learned a lot, but if I join, if I join up with forces, that doesn't mean I'm not going to learn. So that, that really just kind of put me in my place where I was like, what am I really trying to do here? Yeah. (laughs) And the the common denominator, it's like my philosophy with any type of coaching or posing, and there's, there's not right and wrong. It's not black and white. It's what cluster of things work for you and what don't what's efficient and what's not gray area. And so with, with clients, it's like, if they want to, if they are confused by the gray area or they feel restricted by the black and white, it's like having an, having a coach in the picture kind of helps keep all of that organized for you so that you don't have to basically you don't have to question yourself and my job as a prep coach and why I have Shane is to keep my head on straight. Yeah. And my job is to keep my clients' heads on straight. Yeah, It's not that they can't do it or they're not smart enough. They're extremely intelligent. And I, my goal is to teach them so that they, so that they don't need a coach forever. But in the meantime, it's like, I'm also there. It's not just about what to do. It's like framing your mindset. Um, so that's, I think a danger that people get themselves into. It's like, you can do the science, you can do the research. That's great. But can you keep your, can you look at yourself objectively? That's where my, that's where my final straw was. I got on stage in 2017 and I, I looked awful. I, I really messed up in the 24 hours before the show. And even Derek, like he's, he holds back on a lot of what he has to say for the right time. But the day before he was like, or the day of after prejudging, he was like, I think it's time. And I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't look at myself objectively anymore. And so that was another, that's another reason to pick a coach. It's like, if you can't see yourself realistically and step, if you can't separate from yourself and step outside of your own self and look at yourself without emotion, that might be a time where you need a coach. But if you can do that, some people can actually do that very well, but then they don't have the time, the want to, or the capacity to research. Yeah. And so that's kind of like the other side of things. It's like, you might be able to do the analyzing, but if you don't have time to dedicate to listening to thousands of podcasts and taking courses to better yourself as a coach and actually staying up to date with the the current research or protocols um, and also using methods that have been trusted and supported by research for many years, if you don't have the time and capacity to do that, that might be time to pay somebody. I do that with um, not bodybuilding, but like if there's my dreadlocks, I wanted to start my locks and I didn't want to screw it up. I tried it once and they fell apart and I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. 
So I paid someone to teach me how to do just my dreadlocks. I don't do this for other people, but if I was going to do it and it's a, a long-term thing, I wanted to do it right. And I didn't know what to do. I'm, I'm smart and I could figure it out, but I didn't have the time to dedicate to figuring it out. So I just paid the source directly. Hey, you teach me what I need to know. And, and I've done this for two or three years now. Well, so what I, I'm thinking or what I'm hearing from you is, you know, you can save a lot of time at the beginning. Like if you don't know, let's say you've been in and out of the gym, you just need like a base of knowledge. I think a lot of women need that. Like you need a starting point and it might not be that you need to work with a coach for a long period of time, but you need some um, ideas on how to figure out a training split and how to train and what your macros yeah. look like. So something basic. And then you can oftentimes do that on your own for a while, as well as, you know, once you learn a little bit, you start reaching out to, like you said, different podcasts, researching different stuff so you can gather more information. Um, I was thinking that I always feel like there's two types of people and I'm sure there is this gray area, but you have like the overconfident people that somehow see themselves as competing and it's like, they look great already. And you are like, you have a long ways to go. And then you have the people who I feel like it's a lot of Olympians, people like yourself who are like, like, look at yourself and just don't always, and it's not like an underconfidence. It's just a, there's a humility and a realism there of like, I can see what my flaws are and how much further I have to go, like the potential. So maybe it's not a negative thing, but and I just feel like if you can see what's wrong, I feel like those people go a lot further than the people who, because I, I think sometimes you get the people who think that like, these are the people who are complaining about their placings or placing, <laughs> like, you know, saying it's the judges who didn't know what they were looking at, or there was yeah. politics involved or something like that. So, oh yeah. They don't have the full understanding of how all this works. Yeah. Yeah. But I think building a base is really important. So that would be a time to hire a coach if you, you just don't know what you're doing. Um, but like, I don't know about you, but I, like, I don't work with people who don't know how, don't know their way around the gym because you can't do online coaching with somebody who needs in-person personal training to learn how to train first, you know? Yeah. And that's actually like, I used to, I used to, I've had my business for 10 years now. And I started out personal training and firstly, I, I got burning. I realized that when I graduated college, I thought that's what I was supposed to do because prep coaching wasn't even a thing when I graduated in 2011. That, that was just starting to be maybe a few teams, like very small, like a couple of teams and like people weren't even really calling themselves prep coaches. Um, so that no one, no one presented that to me. And if that would, they would have, I would have probably chosen that. So I started training people because I'm like, well, I spent all this money on college on this degree. That's what I'm supposed to do. I didn't love it. And it wasn't fair to my clients for me to show up, not being passionate about what they are. And so I just stopped. I stopped training people. Um, yeah. I explored prep coaching, but mostly I had lifestyle clients like diet. I did like run a lot of diet and training protocols. But then I started to realize that that doesn't bring me passion either. And so I was like, well, it's just better if I refer out lifestyle client people, I was just say non-competitors, non-competitors out to people who are passionate about that, because it's not that it's difficult. I just, when you think about how you want to live your life and how you 
the money's going to come from somewhere. So how do you want to make your money? It's like, if I'm going to pay my bills, I want to do it doing something that I love. So it doesn't feel like work so that I can do a better job and do it longer. And that's where I really started to find the difference of the conversations that I could have with my prep clients were a different level than I could ever get into with lifestyle stuff. And like, I'm not, I know the science, but I think my purpose in the coaching world is to bring mindset into the picture. And that's where I thrive. That's where I've had to create a lot of myself. And so I'm, I'm more on the level of manifestation and I couldn't have those conversations with people that wanted to meet the figure, wanted me to do their macros. Right. I just, I, it just didn't bring me joy anymore. So, so now with prep clients, it's like, yeah, we have to work through the diet and the training piece, but we're really going to dig into the self-belief, the mindset framing, the life changing stuff. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. And I, and I look more at like, I just feel like there's such a large population of women who grew up in the seventies, eighties and nineties who have disordered eating and don't even know how to be healthy. And like, like, I'm like the person who's getting the base for you and then sending them off to you. If you, you know, if they decide in a couple of years, they want, cause I, I feel like a lot of people don't do go into competing with like unhealed you know, eating disorders and that type of thing. And it really, it helps you in a way because it gives you an outlet, but the problems are still there and they will still resurface in different, um, in different ways. And I feel like healing a lot of, cause a lot of women will say, I want to compete. And I'm like, I think you want to have a healthy food relationship and feel comfortable in your skin. And when we get that part down, then you can decide if getting into competing is something that you also want to do. I think there's steps to this. Yeah. And I, I don't mess around with that. That's, that's beyond my comfort level. Like I have parameters of where, and I, this is the initial phone call that I have with a competitor. It's like, I need you to know what to expect from me. And that's outside of my scope and expertise. And I don't go there. If someone, I'm glad when someone opens up and lets me know so that I know to pull, to pump the brakes. Um, but I don't, that's too delicate and too risky for my comfort to even dabble around the emotional aspect, the mental and emotional aspect of that. And so there I have, I've had that happen a few times where I did, whether it was lifestyle or competitor, there's a point where I say, I'm not comfortable advising. You need to find a professional yes. to discuss this with. And that doesn't mean like they can't open up to me. It just kind of, kind of draws the line for me where I say, I would take the money you were going to pay me for a diet and put that toward therapy or yeah. a psychology instead like that. Like, I don't want, I don't want your money anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to help you. I, I recognize that right away. I, no matter how much you pay me and no matter how many times I revise your diet, yeah. I can't help you and I can't sleep at night. And that doesn't make me feel good. So take, just take it and, and help yourself. Yeah. And I, I think this is definitely one of these things. Cause people will be like, Oh, like I helped somebody who had an eating disorder. And it's just like, you're not a psychiatrist. You're not mm -hmm. a, you know what I mean? Like, yes, that's no, that a client helped himself while you, while you took care of other areas. And that's like, yes, I hate to say it like offloading, but like for me, I'm a huge reason why I have a coach is to offload my mind so that I can, like, so that I can do different kinds of self-work or work for other people. And so having a coach is a big tool in your stress management. 
So I don't, I don't stress about things that I don't need to stress about. I let Shane stress about that and he doesn't. So, so when he doesn't stress, I don't stress. And that's what I try to be for my clients, especially my clients who are coaches. Yeah. Let me help. Let me be your coach. So you can be your coach for your client. You know, like it's a, it's a trickle down thing. Um, but stress management is a huge part of that. And just, that's the thing. If it's going to eat you up and you can't sleep at night, address that, whatever that is for you, address that. And if that needs to be bringing someone else in for help, do that sooner. <laughs> Cause yeah. I've spent, I've lost sleep spinning my wheels trying to, is this approach right? Is this method better? You know, I've, in the, in the light, the lack of sleep and the increase of stress was more damaging than if I just didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say that I feel like trust is like a huge thing. One of the, I think one of the biggest issues that I've had with people, they think they're ready for a coach, but they're not ready to give up control for somebody else. So mm -hmm. either, either you know different or you know better or you don't know enough. Um, if you're not, if you're going to be <laughs> arguing with your coach, um, about their methods or whatever, then, um, either you're not ready to work with a coach or you're not ready to work with that coach. And I do think this makes people coach hop a lot because they think they'll find somebody that will, and it's like, you've got 10 different coaches. They're going to do things 10 different ways. And yeah. you have to, um, you got to be okay with that. Let's, let's go over a couple of these bullet points. If you want to say something about that, go ahead. But about trust and trust and communication, that's what I always think about with coaching. It's like a lot of communication within reason. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just say like it, I was that person before I hired Shane. That's why I had to coach myself. I, I had had two other coaches in my, in a, think a 15 year span and they were awesome coaches. I learned so much from both of them, but I'm a control freak and I do have trust issues, not with them, not with those two coaches specifically, but I enjoyed taking things into my control because then I'm responsible. I, I you know, I have a say in it, but before I hired Shane, I did have to have a little come to Jesus with myself. I had like a three or six month period where I had, to, I told myself if I'm going to hire Shane to help me get my pro card, then I have to act like a professional and I need to become malleable and I can't become malleable if I'm set in my ways. So I had to drop off a lot of my own bullshit before I could actually move forward with Shane. And that was really hard. I had to do a lot of uh, deep honesty with myself in ways that I was being an amateur and self-limiting. And I told myself that if I'm going to hire him, then I have to be okay with giving up my control. And that took me several months to get over, but I was like, I'm not going to waste his or my time or money. Yeah. If I can't get myself to that point first. So I did, I had to undo. And I told him up front, I was like, I'm going to have to unlearn some things. So just thankfully he was patient with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I recognized that I was like, I have a process to do before I can actually hire this person. So that's all, that's all I'll say on that note. So we can keep talking, but <laughs> <laughs> that you said that you had to come to Jesus moment, because I really think it is like, you know, this is when people, they're almost at some sort of a rock bottom, or they've come to an impasse. It's like, I'm not going to get any further, or it's going to be a freaking snail's pace to try <laughs> to, to try to get to where I want to go. So um, yeah, like it's, it's about being real with yourself. Like I can't do this on my own which literally is a come to Jesus moment, right? Like I can't yeah. do this on my own. I it's okay. <laughs> so, all right. Well, your first one is do your research, which is 
it's tough, right? And I, I love this too. I remember you said this before, a name is not everything. Um, so the, I'm going to quote something that um, John Jewett told me a long time ago about how do you find a good coach? A good coach has experience with others, experience with self and education, which doesn't have to necessarily mean that they went to school, but certification, some sort of an education. And it could even just be from doing a lot of research in the industry, because there's a lot of good information out there from a lot of good people. So it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a, a, a dietetics degree or something like that. But know that somebody is actually constantly researching and looking into things. And like you said, um, keeping up with what we know now, I, I would love to do a podcast about what we know now, as far as competition yeah. goes, because things have changed. Um, it's all about working smarter, not harder, what we've learned over the last 10 years. And yes, I'm not saying that prep is easy, but it can be a lot easier than it was a lot of suffering 10 years ago. It was about suffering. <laughs> yes. Well, the, the suffering is still in place and the execution is still in place, but it's like, it's just efficiency. And to, and to plug John Jewett's course, like that is one of the tools that I use now to stay up to date. I fully trust. See, that's the capacity I'm talking about. I don't have the capacity to do the digging that John does. So I, I rely on John's course to keep me up to date as a prep coach. And I can't say enough good things about that and him um, and Luke. They do such an amazing job of dissecting that sort of research and breaking it down to where it's actually applicable. Um, and I have a ton of respect for John as a coach and as a person, but for him to be able to put that type of uh, energy into creating something that, I mean, I've told both of them this, so like they've made such an impact on our industry just by doing that because it is, a, it is keeping things up to date, but also like keeping coaches educated, especially for safety, health, yep. safety, and then minimizing risk. Yep. So I think I, I wish more people could take advantage of that, but that's one of the tools that helps me be a better coach yeah. and a better competitor. Absolutely. Absolutely. So research means, you know, there's a lot of people out there. It means asking around, what is some of the things that you, um, that you recommend for what's finding a coach? Yes. Sorry. I'm sorry, I still didn't understand the full question. Can you repeat it one more time? For finding a coach, if you're researching, um, what are some of the things that you recommend? Um, well, I do. Oh, you mean if I like how to how to find somebody? Yes, because people are always like, I, I mean, people just, or or social media, like, yeah, I can. I I follow a lot of coaches and. I don't necessarily listen to, or I don't necessarily follow them because of the information that they're giving out. It's more like, I mean, I pay attention to all kinds of things. Like I, I pay, I pay attention to how they support their clients or not. Um, and that's something to know too, when you're hiring somebody, it's like, do you need to be supported? Because if you do, you can have the smartest coach in the world, but if you need support and that's not something they offer, that's not going to work. Yeah. Um, and, and I wouldn't, take that the other way either like if someone offers a lot of support but they don't have the application to back it up that's going to be even tougher to leave that relationship when you figure out it's not working so yeah that's, that's a that's a hard thing to kind of come into to, to tie in but okay per perfect example 
I have a lot of consultations with my opposing clients and there's certain things that I can't discuss with them because I'm not their prep coach, but it, but what they express to me, and I hear this a lot, they go, well, my coach used to be a bodybuilder. He used to bodybuild and compete like 30 years ago, but he is kind of old school and he he doesn't really, he's not open to different approaches. I I keep saying he, but it could be a he or she. Um, And that the issue there is they were successful at some point, but, but everything is different now. And so it's like, if someone has, if somebody competed 30 years ago, that's a completely different approach than what might work better for that one client now in, in today's life. Cause you've got people who work odd hours. They work different types of jobs. They've got a lot, a lot of different roles and responsibilities in a way of living now than 30 years ago. So how are you going to take a, a protocol that worked back in the eighties and apply it to 2023 yeah. alone? Um, so that's what I mean about staying current and up to date and like research, like you can have someone who knows a lot about the way that they became successful, but, but do they know a lot about, and I'm, I'm up front with my clients this too. I'm like, if I have tried something, I will tell you my experience. If I have not if I don't have that experience, that personal experience, I'll do my best to reach out so that we can both find out the answer for someone who does. Um, Cause I don't want to, I don't want to act like I know when I don't, with, you know what that feels like. So researching isn't just qualifications and certifications. It's like, I look at modes, like what is that coach's mode? Yeah. And that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I nailed down my coach because I recognized what I needed outside of what's on paper. Yeah. I think everybody has a different style, right? And yeah, really, it's really important to, uh, to know that. And you know that here's one of the things you said is talking to their clients. And I would say, don't just talk to the big name clients, talk to, you know, the ones that are, you know, are you getting the same type of attention? Are, you know, what, and what is it do you need? Do you just need, I know a lot of guys who just need somebody to tell them what to do. That's it's, uh-huh. it's very, I mean, men are different than women, right? And a lot of girls, like you said, want a little bit more handholding. But like you said, if somebody is just a handholder and doesn't really know how to implement coaching strategies, you're going to run into a problem because I mean, yeah. what, what do you need? Just a friend? Like, I mean, I'm not saying that my clients have not become my friends, but oh yeah, they can both. Yes, exactly. But the they, hierarchy. Like I'm your coach first, and then I'm your friend. But I love being friends with my clients. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. So, um, I think asking, yeah, asking their clients is one of the things that you said is really important. A name isn't everything because yeah, we know big name people who are, you know, I mean, to an extreme, like had clients with a lot of health problems. So that doesn't necessarily mean that's a great coach. It just means that they can get quick results, but it doesn't mean that they care about you long-term or I think you said before, there's a lot of people who are, are not big names who are really, really great coaches. Yeah. And like, I, like I can say that because I, I was no name when I first started, nobody, they may have heard me from competing, but like, if you looked at a, a roster of coaches, my name wouldn't even be on it. <laughs> so I'm glad that people gave me a chance to grow and to learn into me being the best coach I could be now because I wasn't a name. So, if, and, and that can't accumulate if someone doesn't give you a chance, you know? So yeah. to prove yourself as a good coach, you kind of need people to who will trust in you, give you a shot. 
but it's your job to keep leveling up and keep growing and evolving too. Just as the same big name coach can't slack and get comfortable in lackadaisical and negligent, or they're not a big name coach anymore. If they are, their name's being said for not great reasons. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of these bigger names too are, um, I think one of the things that you said here, um, about how they're, you know, what they're charging or whatever. If you go with a um, a bigger name coach, sorry, I was going to go in a different direction. If you go with a bigger name coach, you might be a smaller person to them and you might not get the attention that you need. It's possible. You don't know if they treat their Olympians the same as their, uh, you know, their NPC competitors. You want to make sure that yeah. they, you know, that they are. And I, I do hear that complaint a lot too. Yeah. From from people who from my opposing clients who tell me about their prep coaches. I actually like to not know names because I don't want to know who they're I don't want to know who they are. Unless there's a unless there's an extreme red flag situation, then I do ask for their name. Yeah. Um outside of that, I don't really want to know. Cause like the the name part doesn't matter as to me as much as like how that person feels. And that's when I was asking for when I was asking coach shopping, um and I, I would want my, I would want people to do this with my clients. It doesn't mean the same thing. If I talk about myself, it means more to me if how my clients talk about me. And if I do a, be- a good job, I hope they have good things to say. And if they didn't first, I would hope they feel comfortable saying it to me so that I can get better. But a lot of times they're not. And it's like, I'd like to, I'd like that to be said too, so that I know where I need to grow and, and level up. But the question that I would ask, like you said, like a variety of their clients, and I would say, what do you love about your coach and what what didn't work for you as well? And I would take that with a grain of salt because a lot of clients, you know, if you're just stepping off stage and you're bitter about your experience, of course, you're going to put your finger at the coach. So I almost, I almost tossed out the highest and the lowest feedback and just kept the middle ground. So if I asked five people, yeah. I'd drop the best compliments, I'd drop the worst compliments, and then I'd take the middle ground and sort of see what is said overlapping um from a variety of clients and that's kind of how it came down to the the three coaches that I was considering then the rest of it got really hard because it was actually harder because all all three coaches had clients that all said amazing things about them yeah I actually didn't hear any complaints (laughs) so that made my job tougher um but I do I like that idea of asking asking both males and females asking higher um professionals versus like just just starting out beginners um just so that it's it just manages your expectations but then also giving the coach the opportunity to to say what they want to say about themselves like I always in that first call I tell clients what I don't know and what I'm not experienced with and also what I what I don't do and what I won't do so that I can manage all of our expectations up front and I also let them know what I expect from them not perfection but I expect your best best effort Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I wanted to touch on was if you're working with somebody and you're running into communication problems with your coach, the more that you are able to say, like, this is what I need, the more like, then you would be able to respond. And I've had this before with clients that I like, it hasn't worked out because I'm like, I can't provide you with what you need. You know, you are possibly, I mean, a lot of it was too much time that they want from me. Whereas, you know, I'm like, we're not, we're not communicating on a daily basis. Like that's, um, 
not something that I would expect from, um, that I would expect from a client. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, and then I think you're looking more for a life coach or something like that, who's going to be able to walk you through things on a daily basis, but also like, it makes you evaluate, like, is my program, um, is everything, um, are you able to comprehend what I am, you know, putting out there and are you able to follow directions and that type of thing? So mm-hmm. that feedback is really important and it's important for the coach not to be, um, hurt by like some negative feedback because this is how you get better, you know? Yeah. And that, like I, in the beginning, I was so hurt if I didn't do a good job, but then I had to, I had to have some grace in myself and I'm like, well, how else am I supposed to figure this out? It's just, it's just application and trial and error. There's no other way to get better in this industry. You can read all the books you want to and until you get to practice. And it's not just, it's not just one person. It's both the client and the, the coach to stay accountable with that, with the, each of their responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. That, that communication is, is so important and the effort level. Um, I know people always say like they match effort, but I put all the effort out there right away. And I hope that you will match my effort. So it's not me figuring out how much you're giving and then me giving that Mm -hmm. amount. It's like, no, we're we're going like, this is what we're doing. And I want to see, you know, check-ins on time. And I want you to ask questions if you don't understand things and right. Obviously more than happy to explain anything that is, um, you know, yeah. Yeah. So the interview process, you talked about this and I know on our last podcast, you talked about this quite a bit about how you went through all of your coaches when you were looking for, when you finally, um, (laughs) when you finally, um, picked Shane, but, um, this is so funny that you said, um, what is their philosophy? What are they passionate about? Do they like dogs? <laughs> That's important. Someone doesn't like animals. That raises questions with me. Red flag, red flag. <laughs> if you can't love a dog, I don't know if we're going to work. <laughs> I need to know this information. <laughs> so funny. Um <laughs> It is good though. A true professional will respect your best interests and not take it personally. If you feel that you two may not make a good match. Um, so, and you, like you said, this is a learned behavior because it does sting anytime somebody's like, this isn't working for me or. Oh yeah. Breakups are hard. I've gotten better at them. I've gotten better at them, especially over the last year or two. But I, I still have to talk myself through that process. But when at the end of the day, I'm like, what's best for that person or what's best for me? That's all it comes down to. And I can let things go easier when I'm like, that's just what's best. Yeah. It does, it's not a reflection of want to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's about being honest too. It's like you can do everything possible to set things up perfectly at the beginning Um, and then just realize like, I can't help you. I can't, you know, whatever it is. I know I, you know, I've worked with, um, uh, prep clients before and, you know, I don't do drug protocols anymore. (laughs) You know, it's not, it's totally fair. Yes. It's not, it's risky and it's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. If you're not educated and willing to 
yeah, take on that responsibility. I have more respect for someone who says, no, I won't. That's what I meant about the wants earlier. No, I won't go there because I'm not comfortable taking that risk. Yeah. Let me let's let's bring someone else into the picture or let me defer you to someone else. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. That is professional to me. And then the last thing was that you said that it's not necessary to have a prep coach to get on stage, which is obvious because, you know, mm-hmm. you did that. I did that. Um, control freaks tend to want to <laughs> do it themselves first. You're on stage. You don't have to coach. Welcome to the control freak club. <laughs> Yes. But if you're going to keep going and be into it more then yeah, it is going to be, you know, like you said, unless you're just that one person to get another set of eyes on you, like that judge pulled you aside and said to you, it's time. So, yeah. And he, I mean, he'd watched me struggle for about a decade before he even said anything. And I'm glad that he did, but uh, I'm glad that he cared enough to say that to me. Um, But even with like self-coaching, it's there's also the approach of like still being a control freak if you want to own that and make it a great thing um but having mentorship so i actually uh usually in years two or three i'm i'm more comfortable as a prep coach looking at joint decisions together between me and my clients in the beginning i expect them i don't expect them to be able to answer all of my questions so it's my job to gather as much data and information from them as possible and me make more decisions and and educate them on why we're doing it this way or why I think this might be the best fit, but then I'll still get a a gather on how they feel on it. But in years two and three, that's when I trust their judgments a little bit more because I've taught them how to self-analyze. And so that's where we really get to move forward fast because it's almost like we're both looking at it with congruency and they understand better. And I can ask some questions like, what do you want to do? Would you rather do this or that? And that, and that helps, that helps me. It's like, I have to build that trust in my clients too. When I can trust them and they can trust me, that's where magic happens. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm going to have to say, <laughs> I'm like trying to get to the other article and I thought like I had There's so much out there. <laughs> You know what I want to do? I want to go to, uh, let's go to your, I'm going to go to your Instagram a minute here and show this, your, I mean, this wasn't even this, look at, do you look at that? And you just think, I just nailed it. Like, good job, girl. I just, like, I just, yeah. I hope you I, have I felt that way about a day before I felt like we nailed it and all I had to do was slap a tan on and, and not screw it up. <laughs> But yeah, I can, I can say that I can say with ultimate confidence that that that's what was supposed to show up on the Olympia stage last year. But um, I think that's what it was for me. It's like that morning, if I if if even if I hadn't made it to the Chicago stage for some reason, if I could just see that, I think I would have been happy enough to like, yeah, call it a year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and yeah, that was from the <laughs> yeah, I'll see it now. To me, there's a dramatic difference. There was some muscular gain in between, but just conditioning and then nailing. This was a huge compliment um, from a judge after I was asking for feedback. And they said, whatever you you and your coach are doing, you're getting great at nailing it with consistency. And that felt really good to hear because it's it's hard 
it's hard to replicate your per perfection. And anything less almost feels like a failure. If you, if you don't nail that perfection, now all of a sudden you're let down even more or you're confused even more. So the fact that he acknowledged that Shane and I have gotten really good at refining and I, that is 200% because our communication is dialed in. Over the last six years and especially over the last two years, our communication has gotten to a flawless system. He, I, he and I both trust each other to make judgments. And so it feels like a, it feels like a partnership uh, between us. And it's like, what a compliment to mine and Shane's relationship to, for a judge to say, you guys are getting really good at doing it right more than once. And yeah. I, ha I had to tell Shane that immediately. So it felt like, it felt like we got like a, a an A plus on like a report card. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. It's amazing. And everything it was, it was just flawless. I mean, I don't think I saw the show, but it, it came through my feed and I just was like, I didn't even have to read the caption. I just was like, oh, she won. <laughs> like she. <That's> cool. <laughs> she won. Thank so. you for noticing. It'll be so great. So you have, how many, are we at 12 weeks now to the Olympia? How close are we? Yeah. Last Saturday was, yeah, 12 weeks out, which is insane to say that the Olympia is three months away. So what are your, how are you passing this time um, since you don't have to compete 12 times? <laughs> uh, in interesting, interesting way to say that. I'd say the first, let's see, over the last, what was that three weeks ago? Or I think we're coming up on a month in Chicago. So the first couple of weeks was like catching up with my relationships. And so like, okay, mine and Derek's relationship is amazingly weird based around my preps. I'm really impressed with us and how we can manage our relationship through a prep like we do now, but it's, it takes a lot of effort, but like just being able to relax with him and come back to being just into enjoyment and, and not so much focus on like the, the constraint piece. Like that's the first step. But then like, I got to get coffee with my dad, which I couldn't do for a couple of weeks and like catch up with my best friend who's getting married in a few months. I got to like get coffee with her and hear her get excited about her wedding. And like my other friend who she's going through some life shifts that I want to be a, be there for her as she's, growing in a, in an uncomfortable spot in her life. So it's just really nice to just get coffee with people again, things I can't normally do because of time, um, or my, my energetic capacity. And then food wise, I'm still on my diet, my macros, but I worked a ton of built bars into my macros over the last couple of weeks, but I shut that down on Friday. So no more built bars. Um, Derek cooked me a couple steaks. He makes these like air fried fat-free quesadillas. So I've been, I've been working some foods in on my high carb days. Um, but as of last week with it being 12 weeks out, I went back to cutting out like all sugar. I'm tapering down my sugar-free sauces. So I don't use anything at this prep. What I did differently is I didn't do any sugar-free seasonings or sauces, which is really hard. Um, so now I'm shifting back into that mode, but Really just, I wanted a few weeks to replenish and restore my body so that I could push again. So I took a deload week the week after the show, but now my intensity is way high and really good. Um, so I've, I've been able to open up that, that post from today. It's like, I was able to open up my 
final availability for the year for posing spots. So I was able to add, I'm able to work a little bit more. Um, I also had clients competing. So while I was in Chicago, I had seven people competing at masters the day before. And then right after that, I had some clients doing their first show ever, um, August 5th. And so I got to go like be at the show and go support and watch my clients. It was one of my clients last show of the season and two of my clients first show ever. So I got to go be there with them and, and watch those moments and like hug them. That was nice. Um, Cause I don't always get to travel for shows like I, like I went to. So really it's, it was just more of a displacing the competition schedule with like being able to work more so that I can put myself in a good position for these next few months. And I'll kind of taper that down probably about a month out. Like my friend gets married one month out from the uh, Olympia and I'm using her wedding as like my last enjoyment, normal person thing to like, be fully in that, be present for that. And then after that, it's like shift gears back into monster mode. (laughs) Yes. It'll be amazing. I'm so excited. So we didn't really get to, but I want to quick touch on the other two articles. Um, The second one you wrote is what your prep coach cannot do. And we kind of talked about that a little bit, but these are really great. They're very palatable articles. Um, you wrote them very concisely. So, um, you know, uh, the first point I just want to talk about is that you said you, you, as a coach, we can't do it by ourselves. And that means, you know, we don't put the, we don't execute the plan. You execute the plan and you communicate what's not working and what's working. And it goes back to that whole communication thing. Um, Yeah, we don't don't know what we don't know. Right. We can solve problems, but if we don't know about the problems, how we can't predict problems. (laughs) Well, actually, no, we can. We just can't predict all of them. (laughs) Isn't it funny, the clients that are like, this might be TMI, and you're like, it's never TMI. Like, it's always helpful. (laughs) It's just data. Yeah. (laughs) So funny. Um, The one thing you said was that we're not miracle workers, and- One of the things that I struggle with, like with social media, I think people think um, we just have like this miss, um, like you don't see time, the way time happens. You don't see all yeah. the that goes into stuff. So something that can look like uh, a very quick transformation has, is probably somebody who is they're not missing a beat with anything because these transformations can happen very quickly. If somebody is doing all the things I remember Missy Truscott told me about how she had like probably three years ago or so she was like, um, she was, you know, she's competing at the Olympia, but she had like her off season and all this stuff. And like, suddenly like things just changed in her body. And it was just like, she just looked almost a hundred percent all the time, whether she was off season um, or in prep. And I asked her what changed. And she said, I decided to never miss a meal, never uncheck like a box. It was always like, I was going to be a hundred percent on all the time. And it was the difference between, you know, kind of relaxing in your off season or whatever it was. She just decided she was going to do everything a hundred percent moving forward. And everything just catapulted, you know? So, yeah. And I, I, that was, um, 
sometimes I look back at my career and I question if I used the wrong self-talk for a long time because I always said well when I turn pro there's no off season because then it's you know working for the Olympia but if I had applied that mindset in my amateur phase I probably would have been a pro a lot sooner and it's funny because I'll have days where I'm like gosh like to me now it's robotic there's less emotion in all of my daily decisions but there's times where it's hard, where it's like, I want to be loose and I want to be able to play like a fun person, especially with Derek. And it's hard to be a machine at the same time. And so that's my biggest problem is that that's where my emotions get me because I'm like, God, I just want to be normal and have like normal conversations and be easy. Um, but then I remember I'm like, I, I couldn't wait to get to this spot. When I was an amateur working for a pro card, it's almost like for me to have permission to be in that mode all the time, show improvement season or not. It, it, if I, I just remember like asking for that. I was like, God, I can't wait to be a pro so that I can do that without feeling bad or guilty. And now I'm in it. And now I'm, when I catch myself feeling bad or guilty, I'm like, no, you deserve this. You worked your ass off for years to get this. And now I get to be a competitor year round. I get to make uh, every hour a decision if I'm going to become better, a better version of myself or not. And I didn't give myself that permission when I was an amateur. And I think that that uh, put limitations on me. And so, like, especially in the first year of being a pro, I was like, well, what do Olympians do? They don't let off. They don't let off the gas. So that's even when I turned pro five years ago. Is that right? Yeah, five years ago. Um, I remember thinking, like, I'm going to have to level up from here and it's going to be hard. Even last year, I was like, how am I going to level up from this? It's like every year, every couple months, every couple weeks, every day, every hour, you're like, how am I going to level up from where I was in order to get better? And like, that's, I believe that's how the best in the world find out how to be the best in the world. Yeah. Missy being one of them. Like, that was a conscious decision that she made and she's now one of the best in the world. And it's like, that's what it takes. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, the question that gets posed all the time, is there balance in bodybuilding? Is there balance? And yes, absolutely. There's not balance in anything that you want. Yeah. Badly, any type of success. Like you can take a millionaire for an example. And it's like, is there balance in their life? No. Yeah. They're up all night working. They don't sleep. They don't eat. It's not bodybuilding, but like you take, whatever success and that you want yeah. and if the mistake is thinking if the mistake is expecting there to be balance you just have to be okay with balancing your imbalances yeah yeah I mean I I had the same with I mean with parenting I as a single mom yeah. I didn't date I focused <laughs> on work and focused on you know and and there was a good four-year span where my workouts were you know a couple of times a week, if that, it was just enough to make sure that I got in a workout, you know? So yeah, that's a, that's a perfect example. I couldn't think of a better example. I'm not a mom, but I have so much respect for mothers, single mothers or not <laughs> Like it is <laughs> that you just said it. It's like for yeah. you to be able to be there for your, and raise your son and enjoy those, those times with your son. Yeah. It's like, you had to be okay with there being some imbalance at some point. Yeah. But you yeah. don't regret it. Yeah. My daughter, but yes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I said. 
I don't know where I got like, sent I don't back. know. I know, I know your daughter because you were talking to me about her a few weeks ago. But, but yes, yeah, regardless, but yes. And, and I think that all the time, and it's funny because you do see, like, I, like, I love following the Jewets and they do a great job with yeah. matching in the off season and there are ways, but they still aren't ever missing a meal. They're not, they're never missing a workout. They're making no. sure. Two Olympians. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So if you're passionate about being on that level, like, it's like they say, you know, you have to um, be a pro before, you know, act like a pro before you are a pro. Yeah. That's yeah. something I put in the, in my posing course, there's an identity shift video, like having fun with it. And I hit on that because yeah. it's something I can talk freely about in the posing course. It's, it's not diet and training. So I only talk about posing and mindset stuff in the course. And that's one of the videos is to like, start exploring the identity that you're working toward before you're there. Cause like it's, it just goes back. I've probably said this several times, but like when you're six years old, everybody wants to know what you want to be when you grow up and you say, whatever that is, whether you think it's an astronaut or a firefighter or a dentist or whatever, you have no hesitations and you're like, I'm going to be this. Yeah. And then somehow as we grow into adults, we lose that imagination of how simple that can be. And so that's kind of why I'm doing bodybuilding. There's a certain image that I have of myself, a vision. And it's me meeting that vision without hesitation and, and keeping my imagination open. And that's like the, the shut out the noise thing, like back to my post today that I made, or like just even just your self-talk, like shutting out the voice that says you can't become that or that's silly, or it's too late, or whatever, whatever it is, you can change that at any point in your life. It's just, you have to go back into that. You have to shut out the noise and only listen to the voice that is that version of yourself already. Yeah. That's, I think what it comes down to. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to get that, get rid of that self-doubt, especially, you know, I know you personally have come from a place of um, being bullied and a lot of yeah. people who get into this sport are coming from a place of wanting to overcome something from their past. So they've heard those voices. They've been those voices in their own head. So, um, you know, just, you should be so proud of yourself for how far you've come. Thank you. I am, I am proud. It's, it's, uh, it's easy to say now, but it's, I still, I still have anger that I work out in different ways, but it's not the same. Um, and I think I've just realized that if, if that didn't happen in my life, I wouldn't have found out how powerful that I can become. Yeah. And so I'm grateful for the sounds twisted, but I'm grateful for that experience because yeah. it turned me into the force that I am now. And it's just perspective. It's what you choose. Like, like I said, like I probably should have gone to therapy about it, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad and I'm proud of myself that I was able to work out my feelings and thoughts and, and turn out. Okay. I think I turned out. Okay. <laughs> so I am proud of that. Cause that was all, it wasn't just me. I had the right people around me forcing me to believe the, the truth and the right things. But, um, uh, you know, yeah. it takes a village. Luckily I have amazing parents and, you know, Derek, 
like I couldn't think of a better human to bring out my best and like people like Shane, my supporters, my clients, my friends, like everybody. So yeah, I think that's important is to find your support as you are doing that kind of self-work. Yeah. And, and you're going to attract more supporters the more you believe in yourself and the more you do what you set out to do as far as like yeah. you just go. So yeah, it's almost like the less you need the support, the more you're going to, the more you get it as you <laughs> get further along. Yeah. Well, and Derek and I talk about that a lot too. Like, I don't care how high I climb the ladder. I'm always going to need support. And I think that's, sometimes that sometimes it feels or like, or maybe I wonder sometimes it's like, I, I don't know how people see me, but there are times where I'm like, I hope, I hope that no one thinks that I've got it all figured out and that I know what the hell I'm doing. Cause I don't, <laughs> I, I've learned a lot and I know a lot of things, but I still need the support and I still, there's still certain people that I need the approval from, you know, <laughs> like the good job <laughs> or like, just whatever that is. And so I, I actually still take it upon myself to reach out to people in, you know, it's, it's easy to support people when there's light, but even in the dark, I try to go support people. Even when I look, when I look at them and I'm like, man, they're so successful. They're so happy. They've got the perfect life. They're set. I remember that they're probably, there's probably a darkness there that I just, I like to reach out and say, Hey, I'm proud of you. Or like, good job. Or like, yeah, I love you. You know, <laughs> like they, they, they still need to hear that. And so do I. <laughs> yeah. That's very true. Well, Autumn, we're excited to follow you. And I know that your schedule has opened up um, considerably for the next couple of months. So I'm sure you're, you're taking on clients or have all the spots been full at, are filled up at this oh, point? Oh, no, no, no. Everything's at full capacity. <laughs> Okay. For the next six months, I'm I'm completely uh, capped out. I've actually extended beyond beyond my capacity just for September, but that's uh, that's something I'm willing to do right now. But no, I can't, I can't take on new prep clients or opposing clients right now unless I get a spot booked today. Um, because I want to stay committed to my current clients and, and make sure that I have enough integrity to do a good job with them as I'm as I'm competing for the Olympia. So after the Olympia, that's a time where things will open up probably, but. Um, unfortunately I'm kind of capped out. (laughs) Um, so one of the things I want to say is that, um, Autumn gets paid to do what she does. So don't send her posing videos, expecting her to critique them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wish I could help everybody, but yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, but we'll be excited to follow your journey and, and uh, we can follow you on Instagram. And if people want to be on your wait list, obviously they can reach out to you. Um, yeah, either reach out with the, the best thing I can say is to go to Instagram and check the link in the bio for the um, posing schedule for cancellations. Alternatively, that's what my posing course is for, is to basically teach what you need to know on your own time if you can't get a posing session and that you can go to the link in the bio or autumnfoodman.com and look for posing course information, but they can always email me with questions about it too. So. Okay, perfect. And I will um, link all three of these articles. Feel free everybody to read them and check them out because like I said, they're very concise. Um, You did a really great job in just like (laughs) 
compartmentalizing what somebody needs to look for and all the steps that they need to take. So I love that. And I love that you're constantly providing great information for this space. Um, Thank you. Thank you for saying that. That that feels good to hear because it's hard to put that out there sometimes. I'm like, oh, it's like a fact checker. I'm like, is this right? (laughs) But if it helps people, that's the goal. Yeah, you're you're definitely becoming one of those people that we know that we can get really good information from and you're obviously living the lifestyle as well. So it's just it's just absolutely incredible. Such a a, a pleasure to talk to you all the time. <laughs> I'm sure we'll come up with something else so that we can do this again. And Oh yeah, yeah, let's plan an after the Olympia another podcast. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Playing okay. quarterly ones just anyway. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so excited to see you there. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening and watching to another episode of the women's fittest. You can find us on Instagram at the women's fittest. You can find me on Instagram at buffcake 22 and listen wherever you download podcasts. This will also be on my YouTube, um, at buffcake 22 and remember that healthy looks different on everybody. Thanks autumn. Thank you. I love that sign off. <laughs>